This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So now Posey ranges some intangibles that those projections failed to take into consideration. The crowd was going crazy. There's not much in life that's better than that. You're listening to Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys with Mark Willard and Joe Shasky on the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. All right, what's going on? Next episode of Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys with Joe Shasky, Mark Willard. And there's a long way to go in this baseball season. And then again, there's not a long way to go in this baseball season. And I think for a lot of people, uh, with all the games left between the two, the clearest path to a miracle was to play really well against the Padres. And, yeah. and you know, game two of the series, you, you tie it up at four in the ninth, and you're thinking maybe this is the start of the miracle. And then all you got was a Manny Machado walk-off home run followed by a day where you played bad defense, pitched poorly, and gave up multiple leads. I know you feel this way, um, and I get it. I get it completely. I agree. It it, it felt like the Giants' playoff hopes uh, officially and finally left town with that series. It did feel like that. And, like, the one thing that I could hang my hat on last year was like, wow, look what they're doing against teams over 500. Look what they're doing against the Dodgers. You know, look, look what they do in these tight game situations. And all the data was pointing in their direction. This year just feels like they've run out of pitching, especially in these, these specific spots, late in games. They're either, you know, one arm too short, two arms too short. You've been saying this for like two weeks now. They got no lefties to go to, at least no proven lefties to go to. And you have Tyler Rogers out there in a high leverage situation. He puts one belt high. Machado hits it into the moon. And Giants fans are left with their jaw dropped. And it's just frustrating because you lose all four to the Dodgers and then you lose two out of three to the Padres. It just feels like a gut punch. I just think it has led to a question for me with regard to Gabe Kapler. Look, he's the reigning manager of the year. And so no one's going to take that away from him. And I do think he's been the right manager at the right time for this club. But it leads to a question. Because one thing we have not seen with his managerial time with the Giants is true adversity. Forget 2020 and whatever was going on with the pandemic and it was his first year. And then last year you won 107 games. Mm-hmm. It feels like, and I don't know exactly how he handles these situations behind closed doors, but it feels like Gabe Kapler's response to everything is, look at our system. Look at our system. We're going to do exactly like we're going to run the system, and that's how we're going to answer everything. So how does that land with a player that's losing confidence? How does that land when the defense is – inexplicably not playing well. In other words, when you need an inspirational voice, does Gabe have something to offer Mm -hmm. other than the system? Because it feels like this particular team a number of times has sort of lost its way Mm 
Mm-hmm. And all we can do is point to the fact that they've not been able to get it back. No, it's and, an interesting and, point. and so where, where is that sort of, Where's that rallying cry and does he even have that pitch? Well, you know, one of the things that we're obviously assessing about is like Buster Posey leaves. Buster wasn't a vocal guy, but from everybody that I've heard from, it feels like the few times he would talk, everyone would listen. And I know Hunter Pence, as we celebrate the 10 years of the 2012 and the famous speech, the Reverend speech, he went to Buster Posey to get the okay to be able to talk because it was Posey's room. So is this on the players? Like, you know what I'm saying, Mark? Is there not a vocal leader in that locker room that he can lean to? Like love Brandon belt uh, and Crawford. Everybody does in Longoria. Those guys don't feel like to me, guys like, hey, everybody get in here. I got something to say. Like those guys are like, we go about our business a certain way. You know, it's up to the manager. And I don't really remember Bochi being some boisterous guy that was going to scream and yell at people. But I do think he would pull you aside individually. Again, it, it's hard to get a feel for it when you're not in the dugout with these guys every day. But the hey, it's all about the process. That right. does get very frustrating. I wonder, though, and, you know, I wonder. I I have a hard time believing that that's the only way he handles situations. I'll give you an example, and I think we know this by now, most of us sports fans. Like, that Bill Belichick that we get at the podium, that's not Bill. No. That's not not even a little bit of Bill. Yeah. Bill is not like that with his players. Uh, I'm not saying Bill is touchy-feely by all, uh, and 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 Bill does have his system. He's got uh-huh. more, I would say, a better way to say it is a way. He has a way, and you're going to stick to his way, or it's the highway. But I also know that that Bill will show emotion in meeting rooms. Bill will find a way to motivate, get the best out of people. And I imagine Gabe has that. We don't get to see it, though. Yeah. We don't get to see it so much because his answers, while he's more colorful than Bill Belichick in front of a microphone, his answers are, this is why we thought what we thought, and that, yeah. this is why we thought what we thought. And, and that's pretty much it. And, and so there's got to be more to it than that. But well, all we have as fans to look at is the results – and same thing in Philly as here, when things go south, they haven't turned around. Can we agree on one thing? The personnel has not performed and it feels incomplete in terms of like assembling a top tier team that deserves to go to the playoffs, right? Like it's not like they've underperformed. Yeah, I feel like this team's just not good enough. So I don't look at the manager and then I look at like kind of prior history, right? Think about what he did with Dubon earlier this year. What he said at the podium, I do not believe to be exactly what he said to Dubon in private, right? To, to use your example. You're talking about a, when he bunted. You're talking about when he, he bunted? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then we went to the game, you know, the very next day and Bob Melvin, the Padres, and, and Gabe were going back and forth. And I just, to me, thinking, hey, I had a talk with the young man. I'm really sorry that happened. Like, publicly, you could say one thing. <laughs> Privately, you could operate completely different. That's just, again, I'm using common sense, but I have nothing else to go on. What, what do you think he said to Melvin? Don't worry. In three weeks, we're trading him. I, like, I mean, who knows what he said? I, I Look, we're, we're, we're all searching. I, I will take issue with this, though. You said, I don't think they're underperforming. I do. Oh, you I do? do? I, know, I know that they aren't names that you expected to go out there and hit 30 home runs. Okay. That's not what I mean. But, my gosh, catch the ball. Like, you're well, completely that- underperforming defensively. Um, there have been so many mental errors out there by this team. You do have players like Brandon Crawford 
who were fantastic last year and have not been able to execute this year. And there are a bunch of those. Lamont Wade, Uh Brandon Belt, I think that's based on health, but Brandon Belt, and then go to the bullpen. What happened to Tyler Rogers? Uh, What, what, like, Jake McGee. Jake McGee was a really effective reliever this year. He can't even stay on a team this year. So a bunch of those things happened. And, and, and by the way, that's why I get so upset when people talk about last year being a fluke. It wasn't a fluke. Well, why can't it? Why couldn't this year be the fluke? I don't mm. think either label matters, but it's just when things go bad, that doesn't mean you get to take away when things went <laughs> good. Uh, but but I like to me, that is an underperformance by a bunch of players who I, I think are better than that. Okay. Well, Belt, I'll believe you. I I agree with that. He's better than eight home runs and a two twenty average, like or whatever he is two thirty right now. I I agree with that. Crawford, though, like he's starting to get up there. He, he's been trending down for many years and had a monster year last year. You know, the word I want to use is snake bit because I do feel like the second they start to get any momentum, no matter who it is, something happens. Case in point, Joey Bart. He's had two weeks, three weeks of great at bats, and then he makes the play of the year for the young man with that tag at the plate. And then come to find out he hurts his ankle and, and he's out for a couple of days. It's like, we can't catch a break. Yeah, it's, it's, it's certainly been one of those years. By the way, speaking of Brandon Crawford, let me ask you this, because for the second year in a row, here comes this unprecedented shortstop free agent market. But Brandon is signed for another year at a pretty healthy salary. Mm-hmm. He can't play anywhere else. You've got the DH in your hip pocket. What do you do? Well, what do you do next year there? I think this is uh you have to have a very serious conversation with Brandon Crawford about open to positional change. I do think that there's many innings where he can get in there at shortstop, but like where's the market at, right? There are five really good shortstops available. Maybe six if Tim Anderson opts out Turner, Xander Bogarts, obviously uh, the, the kid, uh, what's his face for uh, Carlos Correa. Correa. Like, yeah. There are studs out there. And to me, when there's that many dudes out there and you need just about everything, you have to make a play for one of those guys. But part why they didn't get Correa the first time around, he wants to play shortstop. Yeah. Why can't Crawford move to third base? Like I know when we have these fairy tales, he played Great. short from day one until the end. Sometimes the fairy tale doesn't exist in real life. You're not Derek Jeter, the captain. I know no. it sounds great, but like maybe you do have to move over, or maybe I don't, maybe he goes to the bench. Is that is that sacrilegious to say I mean, out loud? I, I I don't I don't know if it's so much of a willingness as it is like can you even execute it? I mean, Brandon has been brilliant with the glove throughout his career. The best giant shortstop ever. I don't know. Can he play? They're so different, these positions. I know. You know, listen, the pie in the sky, if somehow Trey Turner ends up on the Giants, I mean, he did this already with the Dodgers. He can play second base. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I I, I just, I I don't know. I, I think we're past time of the Giants worrying about hurt feelings. I agree. That's for sure. And I think we're past time uh, where the Giants can say, oh, we don't want that great player because he's not a perfect fit. So, yeah, it's a problem that I think everybody has to be willing to figure out. Yeah. But let's not act like it's easy. There's no, no. There isn't an easy solution there.
No, there isn't. And I mean, just go back to the first day of Gabe Kapler's managerial career. He subbed Brandon Crawford out in 2020 to start the year and people lost their minds. Remember that? I mean, I know it was multiple years ago. We're going back 2020, but like people lost their minds. He got the best out of them, though. And Brandon responded, right? Brandon responded. I remember even having this conversation with him. Like it got to him and he went crazy in the offseason. The problem is, and I don't know how much injuries, you know, you get to a certain age, that has an effect on what's going on this year. But sports fans, man, don't we hate this? You hate it where you're like, man, I put it in the work in the offseason, and then boom, it just hits, and you have a career year in a contract year, and then you come back a few months later, and you look exactly like the guy we were worried was going to show up. I'm not putting that on Brandon. I don't know what's going on with his body, but man – There's nothing worse for a fan in sports than when the guy puts together the unbelievable year in a contract year and then comes back and is not the same guy. And by the way, I think this is what Farhan Zaidi is scared of. And he's got to get over this. He's got to get over this. But I've heard him now too many times talk about when teams and front offices make mistakes. They make mistakes because they fall in love with this and they Mm. fall in love with that. And they're willing to spend. And there we go. And the contract is too long. But you know what? Like, I think the Giants right now could be accused of playing scared on the free agent market because they don't want to make a bad deal. And so the response to not making a bad deal is to make no deal at all. And that's essentially what they've done. I use a lot of housing analogies, but like if you wait and wait and wait and wait, next thing you know, all the houses are out of your price range, right? And then property taxes through the roof and you're done. You're never getting in the game. So I'm with you on this one. Here's the hard part that that I think Giants fans need to kind of get over. Willie McCovey wore multiple uniforms. Okay. Willie Mays wore multiple uniforms. Tim Lincecum. Let's get a little more, you know, close to generation. Will Clark. We still love all of these players. Do I want all my guys to be Giants for life? Of course I do. But look at some of the legends we're talking about who were embraced back again. So if it's if it is between, hey, I have an opportunity to get a shortstop or maybe Crawford's got to go or have hurt feelings. I'm sorry. You're going to have to have hurt feelings if you want to stay on this team. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not worried about feelings at all. And I think sometimes in this particular town and I'm going to blame the Warriors for it. And I mean, blame in a good way. <laughs> like. This idea, you know, Buster Posey, you can blame him too. He's a unicorn. Yeah, this is this is not normal. That's yes, not like exactly. I love, we love it. We love it. We should strive I'm for it. You. But the idea of never wearing another uniform. I mean, Crawford has that opportunity. I don't know if he wants to even play beyond next year. Um, so he's got that opportunity. But this idea of uh, you know, go back to the Bill Walsh 49ers, nobody. Nobody finished in the same jersey. Ronnie Lott, Joe Montana. Do we think of they're, them as Jets right. and Chiefs? Nope. I mean, come Roger on. Craig, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, it, it, look, it, it sounds great on paper, but then in reality, like sometimes you got to swallow a hard pill. And I feel like this is the offseason. It's not just shortstop. There's a couple of first basemen that are out on the market. And I hate to do the Brandons because people do that package deal. The Brandons, they both come, they both go. To me, this is one where Brandon Crawford has got one more year left. I feel like Belt's got to, unless he wants to take a dh platoon role he's got to go too i mean well belts up so you don't really need to do much there um he doesn't have you a think contract. they're not going to resign him i would i mean i would 
they can easily use the Jimmy Garoppolo excuse if they want and just be like, the body is broken down. Yeah, like you, can't, point. you can't do another. It got brought up this week, potentially another knee surgery. <sighs> the microfracture. I mean, you can't. Yeah, you can't. Like we, we've reached that time with Brandon Belt. I'm watching him play, man. He just looks like he's in pain. I totally agree. All the time. He can't turn on any of the high or inside stuff. The body's given up on him. I, I agree with you there. But the reality is this, is that they got 100, 110 million coming off the books. They were already 20% down in payroll. If they want to be aggressive, they could be the number one mover and shaker this offseason. And I'm not saying that they could be a first place team next year, but you can put together some pillars so that now when these young guys do come up that you've been holding in the farm they're not saviors they're going into a lineup where you've got multiple starters and then they're in the five six seven hole or the two hole it just feels like to me it's too much pressure if they don't add anyone you're basically asking 21 year olds to salvage the organization that's a tall task it's garlic fries and baseball guys that's Joe Shasky I'm Mark Wheeler we give you a couple episodes a week the Giants podcast from and for the Giants fan, we invite you to subscribe so you do not miss an episode. Okay, so all of that leads to 50-some-odd games left. What do we need to see here the rest of the way? Outside of, you know, listen, mm-hmm. still on the table for me because this is just the way my brain works. Yeah. Damn it. Still on the table for me is the out-of-nowhere 12-game win streak. And, and you go, okay, hold on a second. Hello, let's, 1993 let's, right? let's, not, let's not push the, the red button yet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, however, highly, highly, highly unlikely. And so outside of that, what is it that matters to you with regard to the remaining games left and what you want to see in terms of how it builds for next year? Yeah, so there are a couple of things. I mean, this is something that I geek out on. I'd like to see Alex Wood get to the double-digit mark, and then you'd have three double-digit winners in your starting rotation. Now, Rodon's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. Highly doubtful that they do what they did with Crawford, where you get a two-year extension at the end of the yeah. year. But – but God, would we all love a three or four year extension before he even hit free agency? We would all love it. Highly doubtful. But I want to see Webb finish on a strong note. But the number one guy for me is Joey Bart, because even if this year is a lost year and they don't qualify for the playoffs, if you could come out of this year and you say Joey Bart found a way to be an everyday big league hitter, we know he's a defensive catcher who can do that hitter as a six hitter or seventh hitter for next year. Boy, wouldn't that salvage and be a silver lining for the whole year? Look, at the time of us sitting here having this conversation, I know it's only been, I think, eight games, but his OPS in the month of August is over 1,000. Okay? And so if you compare even three-quarters of that with the defensive player he is, the power that he is starting to show again, then yes, uh, don't let it be lost on you, Giants fans, that potentially exactly what we were hoping for is here. The whole idea was let's start to see some of the homegrown players come in. And I know they're not Farhan guys yet, uh, but Logan Webb has quietly solidified what he did last year Mm -hmm. as there's that F word again, not a fluke. Okay. So Logan Webb, a, a, a staple of your rotation for a long period of time. Joey Bart comes up. It doesn't look good. It's an automatic strikeout. He Mm -hmm. goes down to Sacramento, a couple of tweaks, had to come back earlier than they wanted to. But even though I think he hit 240 in July, I mean, that's a hell of a lot better than 160. Yeah, bats just look way better too. Right. The average is now up to about 215, 220, which you can thumb your nose at. But when it was at 160 over a long period of time, 
That takes a lot to get 160 mm-hmm. up toward 220. So he has played very, very well. And maybe that is the start. Maybe that's the start of what you hope is a somewhat steady flow mm-hmm. of action coming out of the farm system. Kyle Harrison is next. And, and, and I think he can be in the rotation next year. And by the way, I'll add that to our conversation with regard to what I want to see over the next 50 games. If this thing gets totally out and they are just big time eliminated, let's see a start. I would let's see that. it. I would love it. Bring I would up. love that. Well, not only that, if, if he could show you, even if it's just one game, just envision if they yes. retain Rodon, you got Webb, Rodon, Harrison, Wood, and then whatever you got in the fifth starter, Di Sclafani, well, you know, Junis, whoever you're piecemealing at the end. That might be the best rotation in baseball. I mean, at least on paper, you know, so I love that. Here's another guy that I'm looking at for the last 50 or so games, Camilo Duvall. Now, 20 feels reasonable in terms of the amount of saves that he could get. I would love 25. That seems aggressive, but 20 saves and then just feeling good heading into the offseason. If you told me, Joe, we've got an ace a backstop and a closer. Okay. Wow. Now we've built a team a little bit here. Yeah. And, and, and I'm, I'm less looking at the number of saves. And what I want to see is the number of fastballs he throws oh. on the black, like oh. he did in San Diego, because that right there was the most unhittable strike. Dude. I have seen a major league pitcher throw all year long. That pitch at the end of the at bat to Josh bell, one Oh three on the paint. I don't care who you are. That's unhittable. And that's all we're really doing when we're waiting for Duvall is for him to have confidence in where the fastball is going. So true. So, you know, similar to we're talking a lot about Trey Lance right now and always throwing a pick here or there. Well, maybe he's trying some things because it's practice. Yeah. So maybe he's going a little riskier than he normally would. Well, Camillo, you don't trust your fastball? Guess what? Right now is a great time Mm -hmm. to see if you can find it. Because what's the worst thing that could happen? You could fall from third place to third place. Like, it's okay. It's okay. Like, that guy's got to find his fastball control because it's going to unlock his whole career. He added a sinker over the last couple of weeks, and yeah. it's just changed his whole repertoire. He's not so miles an hour, yeah. But I love it because, yeah. like, he he was so slider heavy, and everyone's like, "God, you got to embrace the hundred mile an hour fastball." But the sinker somewhere has like helped him embrace the fastball. Love where he's at right now. He's the most exciting player outside of Bart on this team. When he comes into games, like that game won nothing the other night, that might have been the most fun I've had in the last month and a half watching this Giants team. Yeah, yeah. And, and it was a one nothing baseball game that, that even had its own uh, typical situational hitting frustrations. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was, it, that, that's worth the price of admission for sure. And then what you're also looking for out of that and this is something that our insider Alex Pavlovich said to us the other day. He said the vibe in San Diego, as far as the crowd, it is the best in baseball. Mm. And, and, and it's not close. Mm. And so what you're looking for is, is that kind of thing from, from a Logan Webb to a Doval to a Joey Bart. Uh, and, and it doesn't even have to be the young homegrown players. I think that's key, but uh what are you going to do the rest of the year, J.D. Davis? I don't think you're going to do this, but but my God, like, do you have someone there? I don't think people realize when they see J.D. Davis, I think Giants fans, because it was a deadline thing, they're like, oh, he's a free agent, and they keep him at – no, like, he's under control. 
This is somebody who, again, it's been a week and a half, but like, can he become a, 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 a second half of the roster rotational piece that can play first base, play third base, crush lefties? Oh, he's kind of like Darren Ruff who can play third. Yeah. Right. And so yes. if you got Darren Ruff who can play third in exchange for Darren Ruff and three prospects to go with it. I know it doesn't excite people, but that's a really good deal. No, so I'm with you there. It's, it's information gathering right now and hopefully excitement building. Yeah. Because what you want to do is have your fans' minds in a good spot when you hopefully go out this offseason and spend some damn money. I know. I know. There's two other guys that I'm looking at who are younger players, and I just don't know what to make of them right now in terms of where they fit. I, I think they'll be invited next year to, to be on this team. I just don't know what their impact will be. Are they, you know, bench role players? Like what are they going to get this off season? But Estrada and Luis Gonzalez, these yep. are two younger guys who they found on the scrap heap. And I think they're contributors. I just don't know where they stand. I don't think either as an everyday player, but I would like to see them finish the year strong because I just, they, they've had good years, but how you finish really matters for, I think giants fans and how the front office is viewing them. Well, particularly Gonzalez, because Gonzalez has been called this year's Wade. Yeah. And and he's struggling over the last week and a half. And what I don't want to see is for Gonzalez to come back next year and look like Wade this year. Estrada, I worry less about because he's essentially just looked good. Yeah. I, I don't I don't know when Estrada has not looked really good. Like, <laughs> what's that? defensively well defensively there have been some <laughs> some moments sure but uh, you know versatile enough piece yes. who can do things up the middle of the diamond and hit and sometimes hit with pop i don't think there's any question there's a place for tyro estrada mm -hmm. on, on this team next year gonzalez probably but yeah i think the last 50 games are really really big for him because you see guys come up and they pop and then you get a scouting report on them and and then suddenly the league yes. has figured him out. And, and so I want to see him get back on top and show some consistency and 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 build toward him being on the roster next year. Part of how they found Tyler Rogers was, you know, spinning the wheel in 2020, trying to find guys who could contribute for that bullpen. And then eventually he kind of found a role and, and had a monster year last year. Could a guy like Gregory Santos come up from AAA? I'm just throwing his name out there, but any one of these random AAA arms come up and try to prove themselves in the final couple of months in the way that Camilo Duvall did also to earn a spot for next year because I'm already trying to rework this bullpen for next well, year. Well, why not? Why right? not? I mean, this is – if there is a roster construction failure that I want to point out, it's not the one that most people talk about. It's the bullpen. Oh. How do you run the San Francisco Giants and know their history and know that three World Series championships came because of Javi Lopez and Jeremy mm. Affelt and Sergio Romo and B. Weezy and everything that, that, that happened out in that bullpen, even when Madison Bumgarner joined it for one very special game? <laughs> like, the bullpen is mm. the least sexy but most important thing. If you look right now at bullpen war, you read the top 10 teams, you're like, oh, those are the good teams. <laughs> read the bottom 10 teams, you're like, oh, those are the bad teams. Guess where the Giants are? They're in the bottom 10. <laughs> they, like, we can talk all day long about, well, either lineup doesn't have enough pop, yeah. and they don't leave their starters in long enough, 
Their defense is bad. These are all fair points. This is a winning baseball team if they had last year's bullpen, period. Uh, I, I'm like, with you on that. Period. Agreed. And, and, and so to, to really make no acquisitions in the bullpen all year, before the year, at the deadline, think about it. Zero acquisitions, essentially. Yeah, they got some minor leaguers. that They brought yeah. up Alex Young. But like going out and getting established bullpen arms, they never did it. And so they turned their back on something that they darn well know is really important. And that's disappointing. It's very frustrating. And that's like, as we see Juan Soto go to the Padres and we see what the Dodgers have built, they need everyday players. No one is disputing that. You and I are in unison. Like you got to get some everyday players. Like we agree there, but philosophically, I have to load up on pitching. It's the great equalizer. It's the one area of strength for the team. Currently closer two top end rotation guys. If you can build a great rotation and get back to a good to great bullpen, Mark, it solves so many issues. Yep. Now, obviously defense goes with that because with pitching, you got to play defense. That is, that goes without saying, but man, if, if they can just get an elite pitching staff in that bullpen again, you're right. They should be five, six, seven games over 500 right now. If we're being really honest, that's winning time. If you can't pitch in the seventh, eighth and ninth inning, you, yes. you can't win. Yeah. You, 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 you can't win that way. Um, which brings us to, for me, what is the largest point of all uh, with regard to this organization right now? This is garlic fries and baseball guys. The Giants podcast through the eyes of the Giants fan. It's for you as well. Mark Willard, Joe Shasky. Join us twice a week. Make sure you don't miss an episode. Make sure you subscribe. Okay, so here it is. Um, I've now heard from more than one voice that employee morale with the Giants is not ideal. And when I say employee, I'm not talking about the second baseman or, or the left fielder. <laughs> but it dawns on me that Giants fans were all running around thinking that this is very similar to the organization we've come to know, and it's not. And, and here's what I mean by that. Whether the Giants are having a good year or a bad year, they've always been a quality Major League Baseball franchise. Um, they have class. always been a team. Players want to play for that team. They treat people within the organization the right way, all of that stuff. Well, now, even though Larry Bear is out in the media as much as ever, uh, Larry is not in the role that he used to hold. Uh, guys like Rob Dean and Greg Johnson are now in very, very powerful positions, and I don't think this fan base even really knows them. No. Uh, I don't even think they know who they are, let alone I do don't know, know who they them. are. I don't know them. You don't know them. We couldn't pick them out of a lineup in some cases, and they are making major decisions – and things are going south, which means there's a trickle-down effect here that really concerns me. And so this offseason is not just about, go get Aaron Judge. <laughs> this offseason, I need to see some, some trust building. This organization needs to find a way to build trust with the fan base and therefore potentially with its players as well. Because I, I just – I'm the type who thinks – you can look at a lot of examples around baseball, basketball, football. When there is bad ownership and bad leadership all the way at the top, that does trickle down. I agree. It's why the Chargers never win. It's why the Browns never win. And I'm not putting the Giants in that category yet, 
I'm just saying I don't know. All we know is that payroll is careening down, and so is their record. And so this is going to be a monster offseason in more ways than one. How do you build trust with the fans? Is it, is it just, I mean, we, you, you haven't referenced like, it's not just getting Aaron judge. So then what, what does that look like? What does trust building look like? Cause it does feel like, look, you've lost five out of the last six years. Farhan, you can blame Farhan all you want. Giants fans. They were trending in the wrong direction before he came. Okay. There's, there's like, we can have that argument separate. I'm talking about organization as a whole. You zoom out. They've lost five out of the six years that they've been in power this team they had a great run for decades they cycled down i'm not sure where they're at right now so how do you build that trust well for me it's a matter of class um and you don't always know when these opportunities are going to show up but they do and just look uh right across the parking lot to watch the way that the golden state warriors treat their people Mm. watch the way they treat their fans watch the way they treat just world events when they take place um, and watch the way they spare no expense when it comes to a winning and B doing the right thing. And so I know that to go get a free agent, the free agent has to say yes, but if prices are going to stay the same or go up and payroll goes down, you lose trust. So that is, that is a very, very big piece of it which is that you need to go reinvest all of your hot dogs and beer and nachos into the field. And, and you then also need to, when the opportunities arise, when have you ever heard of a player going, man, the Dodgers organization as all, they just, they did me wrong. Yeah. They, you they, never they hung me out to dry. Like Trevor Bauer may say that, yeah, but well, that's that guy. That's major right? baseball. You never hear that. Yeah. And the Padres, you used to hear that, and you're suddenly not hearing that, and the building is filled, and, and the fans feel like they're being seen and heard. You don't need to make moves for the fans. They're not in charge. But you do need to make the fans, they are your customers, feel like they are seen and heard. And right now, they don't feel that way. And, and, and if they don't, then they're not going to trust you. Well, it, the hard part for me is that I've been spoiled throughout my life, Mark, since the early 80s, they had a little run where they weren't good, you know, the, from like 81 or whatever through 85, 86. Since then, I mean, a couple of bad years, but they yeah. always rebound or there's always a draw or a positive note on the team. Like as low as it felt in 2008 when Bonds walks away, you had the reigning Cy Young Award winner. The next year, Pablo came up and then Timmy won another Cy Young. So there at least was optimism even when the team wasn't winning. Randy Johnson winning his 300th win in 2009. Like there were other parts to the team and you still had the, the newness of the stadium. This is the longest loser stretch they've had just as a whole, even though 107 was amazing last year. And I just don't know how many of the fans like myself are even accustomed to it. Well, I I just think one word that's popping into my mind right now is the word bold. And so think about what has taken place in just the last two years of our sports life in the Bay area. The Warriors went and got Andrew Wiggins. Yeah. It was bold. It was. The 49ers traded three first-rounders to get Trey Lance. It was bold. Yeah. And the Giants called the Mariners for another minor leaguer. You Like, you've got to do something. This is why people are dying for Gabe Kapler to go get thrown out of a game, which he finally did. Yeah, you're, 
which, which doesn't do substantial, like it a real do reason. anything. I, yeah. You need to make sure the fans believe in yeah. all the depths of their heart. They believe that you're dying to win. Yeah. You're dying to put a good product out in front of them to, for them, to thank them, to be the best thing that you can be. You, the fan has got to feel that in their heart. And a 49er fan feels that right now. Don't know if they're going to win. I don't yeah. hold them to that standard. Every, you don't have to win a championship every year. But the 49er fan knows you're dying to win. The Warrior fan, are you kidding me? Well, they know they're dying to win. Yes. The Giants fans like, I don't know, but tickets are expensive. Yeah. I, they, 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 they've got to know that. And, yeah. and it's for those people who are high in power to figure out how to do that. But that needs to be addressed. Yeah, you know, I, I'm going to throw one name out, and this is a dream scenario, and everybody loses their mind. Aaron Judge, Aaron Judge. Okay, look, I, I want Aaron Judge too. We'll see what ends up happening. It's going to cost a gazillion dollars. Who cares? We all want him. Mm -hmm. If they could swing a deal for Shohei Atani this oh, offseason, yeah. this oh, yeah. fan base would throw a parade down Market Street, whether they won or lost. We – we want you to be aggressive. We, we don't even care if it blows up in your face. We want you to be aggressive. Like, I'm serious, Mark. If they well, landed someone like Otani, wouldn't the Giants famous be like, you know what? At least they got Otani. They would. But again, here's where I get torn because I want Shohei Otani big time. You can't give up everything. Well, here's the problem. Like, look at where Shohei, Shohei Otani is now. And they stink. I know. And I know plenty of Angels fans, and they would trade places right now for a team that wins. And this goes back to we had this conversation a week and a half ago. It's chicken and the egg. What comes first, the star or the winning? Does the star lead to the winning, or does the winning lead to the star? Because when there's a bunch of giants we love, they're not really stars, yeah. right? From Hunter Pence and Matt Kane all the way yeah. down to Marco Scudero. Like, if you win – we got you. Yeah. I love those it's players true. last year. They weren't stars, but I loved those dudes. Yeah. Late night Lamont. Are you kidding? He got a nickname. So, I, yeah, I want the star, but I bet, I bet Farhan Zaidi's response to that would be the same thing a lot of teams are saying about Garoppolo now. Why would I give you a bunch of stuff for that guy when I know he's going to come to us for free yeah. if we just wait a little bit longer? And I'm not saying I know he's coming, but the Giants have been pointed out as, as one of two or three teams who would yeah. be first on his list if he gets to free agency. And he's going to get to free agency after next year. Yeah, and I would love to have him. My God, I would love to have him. I yeah. just we we would love to have that guy. And then you put him in a rotation. I mean, hypothetically, oh. <laughs> Logan Webb, Rodon, Harrison, Shohei. Stop it. And then then you finish it with Alex Wood. I mean, come on. Well, the good news is the longer the Angels wait to do this, the more the price goes down. That's a great point because we watch rentals not get a huge price. So if the Angels are smart. Right. They dipped their toe in the water at the deadline. Yeah. They didn't do it. If they're smart, they do do it this off season. Yeah. Because if they wait till next July, yeah, you'll get a nice trade. You won't yeah. get, you won't get a backbreaker though. You know, before we get on out of here, uh, field of dreams is tonight. And obviously yes. it's the Cubs versus the Reds. They're wearing the throwback jerseys. 
I want Giants Dodgers. I don't care where it could be in Iowa. I don't care where it's at. If you want to go to Brooklyn and play at somewhere near wherever Ebbets Field used to be, I don't care. I want to see Giants Dodgers in throwback uniforms. What about you, Mark? Oh gosh, are you kidding? I would. What would you pay if the, if the Giants play the Dodgers in Iowa? What would you oh, pay I, to go to the game? I, I would pay over a thousand dollars. I would yeah. pay what I paid for a, a Niners uh, Rams NFC Championship game. I, I got a buddy who's going to the game tonight, and yeah. he told me first of all the coolest thing ever. He goes, "You you get seats. There's two options. You can either buy a folding chair or a bench. Wow, those are so your cool. two. That's so right? cool." And he goes, "He goes. I went with the folding chair." You know, uh, or actually, I don't, I don't know what he chose, but I told him because he's bringing his kid. I awesome. go, you got to pick the folding chair because, as we know, in Field of Dreams, in the bench, the kid falls off the back, and then you're going to have to have Doc cross the rocks, <laughs> come over and revive the kid, make sure everything's okay. So be real careful. But what do you think the folding chair is going for tonight? I'm, I'm a couple hundred bucks. It, I, I think almost five hundred dollars. Wow, five hundred dollars for wow. one ticket, and what you get is a. <laughs> yeah, but you know what, Mark? Chair. That memory lives what forever. What an experience, though, I mean, right? come on. And that's one of my favorite movies. That's most people's favorite movies. You think of your dad or you think of your son or your daughter or whatever, and it's – I don't know. This this is the one thing, as much as we crush Major League Baseball, the Field of Dreams thing they got this is one. a grand slam. They got this one. This, they got this one for sure. Um, all right. Mark Willard and Joe Shasky, and we're going to go have a catch. Uh, That's it for Garlic Fries and Baseball, guys. We'll talk to you again at the end of the week.